Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Northridge Church. We're so glad that you guys are here. Um, I don't know about you, but there are times uh, when God really just presses on me. You guys know that because I say that out loud from time to time. <laughs> and um, man, this, this morning's been one of those times. I hope and pray that every one of you will catch what my wife just said and realize that we are all children on the edge of the pool and God is there asking us to jump. And I find that American Christianity has done a disservice to what Jesus has done for us. I'll be honest. I think that we've made it safe and I think that we've made it polite and I think that we've made it structured and I think that that is, just goes against everything that God is about. Because God is powerful and amazing and loving and he wants to see you jump because he knows that it's better for you when you release all of the controls and the things that we tend to put on ourselves. That is not in my notes. <laughs> but I pray that today, through the message, through the songs, through a conversation, through God just hammering on you today, that you will realize that God wants to do great things in your life and through your life and that you would not play it safe anymore, that you're done with it. I, and today, that's really what today is all about. Uh, in fact, today, uh, here, here's what I want to do. I'm going to start this way. Uh, if you have something to write on or a phone that can take notes, I want you to get that out right now. I know this is weird, but deal with it. Welcome to Northridge. Glad you're here. Let's go. All right. So get out something to type with or write down something with. And here's what I want you to do as you're doing that. Okay. Don't worry. I'm not going to force you to stand or do anything with it. You're safe. Most of the time you're here. You're safe. No, I'm just kidding. You're safe. All right, I'm not going to make you do anything crazy. This is very simple. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of one, two, three, two to three things would be fine that you know you're really good at or that you love to do. It could be and or things. A lot of times you're good at things and you love to do them. Two to three things that you know, like, man, I am better at this than most people. I'm not saying you're the best in the planet, but you're better at this than most people. When you bump into people, you're better at this than them. It could be knitting, right? It could be working on cars. It could be that you're great at walking into a room knowing nobody, and by the time you walk out, you're friends with most of them. Some of you, that scares you to death. That's like torture, right? But I want you to just jot down two, three. How many of you ever, you can come up with? You have 10, that's awesome. Just jot a couple of things down. Write it down, type it in your phone real quick. I'm gonna give you just a few seconds to do that. What are you good at? What do you love to do when you think about yourself? It could be who you are, something that you are, personality thing. It could be that you love water. I don't, I don't know what you're going to put down. I don't know. Maybe you're like me. You love cookies, and maybe you're just better at eating cookies than anybody else. I'm pretty good at that. I don't know if I'd put that on my list, but I'm just, it's there, right? So just take a minute few seconds, actually, and jot a couple of things down. Get it down. Let God speak to you. What are you good at? What are you good at? 
some of you, you're having a hard time because you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I get it. I've been in those places where so the speaker told me to do something. I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Give you a few more seconds to get something down. So today, we're wrapping up our series, and you can keep writing, keep punching in your phone. I'll trust that you're not texting and Snapchatting with people or something like that, all right? But if, the, if God leads you to do something, okay, that's fine, let's do it, but just get that stuff down. So today, we're wrapping up our tandem series, and today, we're going to talk about how to unlock the bike. We're talking about how to unleash unlock God's power in your life. In fact, I don't know if you realize it, but all those songs that we just sang are all in some way, shape, or form about that. In fact, that first song that we sang, there was a line in there, unleash God's power. Unleash God's power in your life. That's what it was talking about. Today, I hope that as we talk through this, you'll realize that God wants to do more in your life than you probably realize. In fact, let me just say, yep, he does. Because our minds can't quite comprehend what God is and who God is and how much he wants to do in us and through us. I know I miss it on a daily basis, but I seek to follow. And so today is all about unlocking the power of God in our life, unlocking the bike, so to speak. So in order to do that, I want to take us to a story, to a, a, a passage of scripture in Acts chapter 2. Very powerful chapter. I would encourage you to read the whole chapter sometime today, later today, because I'm only going to be able to get into uh, a portion of it. But Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be. And let me just set up the context. So the context is that Jesus has already died on the cross, went into the grave for three days, resurrected from the grave, and then for 40 days after he rose from the dead, he uh, appears to all of his disciples and like hundreds of other people multiple times. So everybody knows that he's alive. So for 40 days, he dies on the cross, rises from the grave three days later, and then he appears to many people, hundreds of people, and he teaches them various different things. And then at the end of that 40 days, he's kind of on this hilltop with his disciples, not maybe just probably more than just the 12 disciples. We're not sure, but his disciples are there. And then he kind of gives them his final instructions like this is what you need to do. And then Jesus ascends to heaven. It's a pretty cool exit, just so you know, right? To just like he doesn't have to hop on a plane. He just goes, right? And Jesus ascends to heaven and promises to return. So Fast forward 10 days after that, nine to 10 days, about a week and a half after that, Jesus has ascended to heaven, promises that he's going to come back, but he's given them this mission, this task. And he says, now you need to go and spread the gospel. But before you do that, Jesus has a very clear directive. He says, you need to go back to the city of Jerusalem. Everybody gather there and God, I am going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you my power so that you can take this mission and do this mission well. Okay? And so Jesus' directive is go to Jerusalem, hang out there together until I send you the power. And I'm sure they're kind of wondering, well, how are we going to know that? And God's, I'm sure Jesus is like, you'll know. <laughs> You're going to know. It's going to be awesome. And so where they are gathered in Jerusalem and that day that God sends his power, I want to read what happens. Powerful moment. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 2. We're going to start very first verse, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, that's a celebration that everybody back then would have known, and they gather in Jerusalem for this thing. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. 
Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At the time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. So they heard this wind thing coming in and they heard that that was happening. So they called kind of a whole bunch of people come running from all over Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. So I, I just want to connect some dots here. So you have people from all over the world who have gathered to Jerusalem for this day of Pentecost, this big celebration thing. And so you have people that speak all kinds of different languages. There are people from all over and they come in and then they, they kind of come into where there's these, these people from Galilee, from Israel. So they should not be speaking their language and they are. And they hear this wind and they're speaking their languages and they're like, we understand what they're saying. This is not right. They don't, they don't, they're not from where we are. They don't know our language. I've never heard these people speak our language. And yet here they are. So that's what's going on. And it says they were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya, around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs. In other words, there's people from everywhere speaking different languages. We're all from different places. And yet these Jews from here in Jerusalem are speaking my language and all the other languages. This is crazy. And we hear all these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. So they're not just speaking. They're talking about who God is. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. And then it ends this way, a very strange way. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. That's all. How many of you have had a pastor end on that phrase <laughs> for any passage of Scripture? There's a reason. And we'll get to it in a moment. See, the truth is that this Scripture and some of the details surrounding this story are really important, and they, they kind of highlight three things that you and I, every person on this planet, must accept if we're going to unleash, unlock God's power in our life. You have zero hope of unlocking God's power in your life without these three things. You have to understand these three things. You have to accept them for yourself. Somebody cannot accept them for you. It is on you to do this. And so I want to go through those three things. The first thing is, if you want to unlock God's power in your life, you have to first accept God's power. You need to accept God's power in your life. We're talking about salvation. If you go back to Acts chapter 2 and you look at the very beginning of that passage that I read, what did it say? It said they were all gathered there. They were all what? They were all believers. What that means is they had all put their hope and their trust and their faith in Jesus. They believed that Jesus was real, that he was the true Messiah, that his death on the cross gave them salvation for their sins. They, had all, they were all believers. These were not people on the fence. They were believers. 
And they were all gathered together. And then what happened? Because they, un, they accepted God's power. You know what God did? God sent them the Holy Spirit. How many of you want the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I would hope that you would. Because it is the power of God in spirit form in our life. And so God sends the Holy Spirit. The reason they received the Holy Spirit is because they had accepted God's power. They were believers. They believed in Jesus and they put their hope and trust in him. And so they had become open to God's power in their life. So they had to accept God's power and then they had achieved this because of their salvation. The first step to unlocking the bike is to actually get on the bike, right? A lot of people in this world have never gotten on the bike because they don't believe in Jesus. The first step is to believe in Jesus. The first step is to accept God's power in your life. But then, of course, it goes deeper than that, doesn't it? Because I know, here's, here's what, there's, there's this mentality, at least in American Christianity, that once you pray the prayer, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, thanks for dying on the cross, uh, I accept you, I believe in you, whoo, good, stamp to heaven, golden ticket, my eternity is sealed. That's true, but there's a lot more to it than this. Right? It's not like, stamp done, I can coast the rest of the way. Right? That's what a lot of people say. That's what a lot of followers of Christ would say. Let me tell you that that's not kind of the deal. <laughs> the deal is, yes, you achieve salvation. Yes, eternity is, is taken care of. Yes, Jesus saves you from your sins, gives you freedom from your sins, salvation. That's all true, but there's a couple of things that go with that when you become a follower of Christ. And it brings me to the second thing that we must accept. We must accept God's power, but the second thing we have to accept is we have to accept our mission. Our mission as followers of Jesus. Did you know that every single one of you, if you are a follower, not everybody in here are followers of Christ. I know that. That's okay. You guys know Northridge is a safe place for you. We want you to be here. We love that you're here. We want you to ask questions. If you disagree with me on this, good. Ask me questions about it. Let's talk. I'm good with that. I do that weekly. It's a great thing. But what a, this is talking about, if we are followers of Christ, then you and I, we all have the same mission. Did you know that? We all have the same mission. And that is to serve God, to honor and worship God, serve others, and point them, show them, take them to Jesus. Show them what it looks like to give your life to Jesus. That's our role. That's our mission. Literally, there's none, no more to it than that. Love God, love others, and to seek and save the lost is how Jesus put it. I came to seek and save the lost. That's why we're here. And so we have to accept our mission. Now, let me just share you a little bit more depth to this. If you go back to the, the, the first five books of the New Testament, okay, and a lot of you are going to know this. Some of you, this is the first time you're ever going to hear this. So the first four books of the New Testament are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are called the Gospels. And these four books are written about the same thing. They're written about Jesus and his life on this earth. It's written about that time, okay? So those four books, but they're written from four different people's perspective. Matthew's version, Mark's version, Luke's version, and John's version of who Jesus is and what he did and how he healed people and why he died on the cross and how he died on the cross. All the, it's four people's perspective. If they all wrote their stories down, they all put them together, and it's four different versions of who Jesus is. Okay, very simply put, the Gospels, that's what the Gospels are. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all talk about Jesus. Okay, then the book of Acts, which is the fifth book, right on that, picks up right where those four books ended. 
Jesus ascends to heaven, and then the book of Acts are the acts or the actions that happened as soon as Jesus had ascended. Okay, that's what the book of Acts is. So now you kind of understand the first five books of the New Testament. Like, there's a lot more to it than that, obviously, but that's the time that we have. Okay, so here's why I bring that up. In the first four books, the Gospels that talk all about Jesus, there's a certain word that is used to describe people who believe in Jesus. They're called disciples, right? Most of us know this. We've heard of Jesus and we heard he had 12 disciples. Like we know those two things, right? And so we know that they were called disciples. But what's interesting is when you get to the book of Acts, the word disciple, it's not that it's not used at all anymore, but it pretty much goes away and they replace it with a different word. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but you start reading the, the book of Acts and they change from being a disciple to being called a disciple to being called apostles. You guys have heard of the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter? That changes in the book of Acts. Now, here's why I say that. You and I, as, as, as you know, our English language, we tend to interchange disciple and apostle, apostle and disciple and apostle and disciple, disciple and apostle. We think they're the same thing. The truth is they're not. They're actually not, even though they might be describing the same person. The difference is the word disciple comes from a Latin word called disciplus, which actually means learner, student, or pupil. If you go to that original word, that's what it means. If you go to the word apostle, the apostle comes from the Greek apostolos, which means sent out or messenger. Now, uh, I want us to understand for apostle, this is not like sent out or messenger, like here's a letter, deliver it for me. This is kind of the uh, ambassador kind of messenger, the kind that says, I want you to go and you're going to speak on my behalf. You're going to share the words that you think I would want you to share. You're going to go and act in the way that I would want you to act on behalf of Jesus, on behalf of, behalf of God. So why is this important? Well, this is why it's important. When you gave your life to Christ, or if you give your life to Christ, some of you, maybe you'll give your life to Christ today. When you accept Jesus, you also commit to becoming a disciple. You give your life to becoming a disciple. In other words, to become a learner from Jesus. You commit your life to give up whatever, every, everything else that you're necessarily about. And everything now has to be filtered through this fact that you are, yes, you are saved. Your sins are taken away. Woo! Praise God, that's awesome. But the second thing is, you also have to accept your mission. The mission that we all have, which is to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a learner. We need to learn about Jesus, we need to learn from Jesus. And by the way, just so that we're really clear, learning about Jesus and learning from Jesus are two different things. I know a lot of people that know a lot about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. If I'm gonna be real honest. We need to learn about Jesus and we also need to learn from Jesus and that means being a disciple. Now, some of you might say, who cares? <laughs> I've, uh, I don't care about the difference between the word disciple. I don't care about the Latin. How many of you just love Latin and Greek origins? Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, okay, there's two, two of you. Awesome. That's kind of what I thought, <laughs> right? Most of us are in that place like, yeah, if I could do anything, I would love to study Latin and Greek. That'd be awesome. Yeah, you know what? To be honest, maybe me neither. I don't know, sometimes. But sometimes it's just so powerful. But the truth is, this is really important because it tells us the three things, actually, not just the two things that we must accept. We must accept God's power. We must accept 
that when we accept Jesus, we must become a disciple, but then it doesn't stop at being a disciple. We cannot just be a student. We also have to become an apostle. And that brings us to the third thing that we have to accept. We have to accept, or you have to accept, your God-given path. Your unique way of how God has called you to act, to be what he called you to do. In other words, every one of us, if we are followers of Christ, we all have the same mission, which is to seek and save those who are lost. We are called to carry God's love into a world that desperately needs it. And so we are all called to do that mission. But how you do it and how I do it and how the person next to you does it and how the rest of our church does it, everybody in this community does it, every one of those are gonna be different. Every one of those are gonna be different. That's why he created you different. So we're all on the same mission, but we all have a different pathway through the mission. Does that make sense? We all have a unique path in that mission, and so we have to accept our God-given path. In fact, listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, jump in the pool, take up your cross. Notice what it says. Take up what? Not Brent's cross, not your child's cross, not your parents' cross. It says, take up your cross. You have one because God gave it to you. He made you unique. Take up your cross and follow me, Jesus says. Listen to what it says in the NIV. It says, whoever wants Jesus, again, Jesus' words, same verse, just slightly different translation. Whoever wants to be my disciple, my uh, learner from me, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And, and the truth is, we all know this. Deep down, we, don't, we, we struggle with this, but, but deep down, we all know this. And think about it, we've actually, for, throughout this tandem series, we had this bike up here, but what have we been doing over the last several weeks? Well, I've had people up here with me over the last several weeks, multiple, multiple times. You guys have heard from Jim and Penny who know that they are called by God. Their unique path is called by God to serve people in need, specifically in their community, in their region, which is Lodi. You heard very powerfully what they're called to do. You heard from, from all different people. You heard from Ashley. Remember, I, I talked to Ashley, and we talked to Ashley, and she knows that God has given her the gift and the ability to invite people to church like nobody's business. I mean, it's just normal. She has a conversation with somebody, it's going to happen. I mean, and, and I mentioned when I interviewed her, I said, you will be hard pressed to walk around and meet a few people at Northridge. It will not be long before you meet somebody that Ashley has invited to our church. I, I, I'm serious about that. In fact, there are many people that I've met and then later on I found out that's why they came. I'm like, unbelievable. Wow, it's awesome. We heard from Jackie Rudenhill and how God called her to work with AIDS patients when they were considered unlovable and untouchable. Now that's not the case, but back then when she was called to do that, they were, very much so. They were considered to be kind of leprosy, like don't touch. God called her to work with them, and she shared that story. Amy Nolden shared her story just a couple of weeks ago, and she shared how God is calling her in her unique path to use her story to help change other people's stories. And she's going to. We're going to save people from a life that will destroy them because of her story. But it's because God's working in Amy and Amy's going to allow her to do that. 
And we heard from Tom Kosmicki about him and his wife Susan and how God just led them on a journey over quite a while and then got really clear the two by four to the side of the head is what he said. Got really clear and said, you need to sponsor, you need to help a child through Compassion International. And you need to, you need to, you said you wanted to make a difference in this. Well, let's start making a difference. And, and today, that's why you see the table over there. Let me encourage you. Your temptation will be to walk by because it's safer. Let me encourage you not to do it. It will be safer for you to walk by and give them the polite nod. I know, because I've done it. Hey, ah, doing a good thing. I'm out. <laughs> right? I get it. If God is calling, tugging on your heart, it's there. They're going to be here this week and next. And by the way, don't choose next week as the time to be like, eh, maybe I'll feel differently next week. Uh, God calls us to a direct path within the mission. And we have to accept God's power and our mission and our unique path within that mission in order to unlock the bike. God calls us to, to do something with the power that we've been given. And by the way, I have to dig in on this. And it's why I included verse 13 in that passage. When you unlock God's power in your life, God will ask you and call you to do things that will be uncomfortable. My goodness, I live in uncomfortable sometimes. Almost daily. He, he just, it just, it's just the way it is. Because God works differently than we work. Amen? <laughs> Praise God for that. <laughs> At least in my case, I can tell you. I am thankful for that, that God works differently than I do. And so God wants us to unlock that power. But when you do that, people are not going to understand you sometimes. They're going to be threatened by you. In fact, what did it say in that verse 13? I want to read it again just so that we got it, because we got some chuckles off of it. It kind of came across as funny, but I want, to, I want to share why it's in there. In verse 13, remember, they're speaking all these languages, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then some other people looking from the outside, they're looking at them, and this is what they say. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, made fun of them, in other words, saying, they're just drunk. That's all. You know why they said they're drunk? Do you know why? Just, just dig under the layer there a little bit. You know why they said they're drunk? The reason they did is because they are trying to reconcile something that they don't understand and seems pretty crazy to them. And the only thing they can come up with, well, I think they probably had too much alcohol. Because I've seen crazy things with that. That's the best they can do. And they need to make fun of them for it so it makes them feel better. That's what happened. That's what happened. Let me tell you, when you unlock God's power in your life, be ready to be made fun of, for people to push back on you, to people not, to not understand and to get offended. I'm not saying we go around. I'm not walking around trying to offend people. You don't know Jesus? Come on. What are you doing? No, I'm not drunk, all right? I'm not walking around trying to offend people, but... But my life, I'm going to live my life for God and God alone, regardless of what people think of that. And so it brings us kind of to this final couple things. The truth is that unlocking God's power will bring us into a place where it will be, in some ways, difficult. 
but it also will be amazing. At the end of Acts chapter 2, you see on, the, on my note outline there on the back, I listed another reference. I'm not going to go into it. Kind of was running through things and I just decided that maybe just reading through that, we didn't necessarily need to, but I encourage you to read that. The end of Acts chapter 2. So here, let me just kind of connect the dots real quick. So the believers start speaking these languages. Thousands of people join and kind of want to come see the spectacle, so to speak. They want to see what's going on. And then so Peter's like, wow, there's a lot of people. Somebody should do something. You know what? I think I'll start preaching. <laughs> and so Peter gets up and he starts preaching. He literally, it's, like, it's like an impromptu service. And he starts preaching. He starts telling them about who Jesus is and, who, and why Jesus died on the cross and what he did and, and that, they, that they can have salvation if they just give their life to Jesus. Basically, I'm giving the, obviously a summary, right? But that's the gist. And he preaches for quite a while. And then after that, do you know what it says in Acts chapter 2 at the end? What happens? 3,000 people come into salvation with Jesus that day. Yeah, praise God. That's a good day. 3,000 just went from spending eternity separated from God, otherwise what we call hell, to going spending eternity with God forever. That's a good day. 3,000 in one day. Peter's got me every day long. All that, I mean, like, <laughs> amazing. And it says then after that that the believers, they started to gather together and they started to pray together and they started to break bread together, which means they ate together. They hung out together and they sold their possessions and they helped the poor and they did all. In other words, life changed. When you unlock God's power in your life, everything changes. Your life changed. Why you do life changed. How you do life changed. What you do in life changes. It's not as normal as normal. Everything changes when God's power is unleashed. And so this is what it looks like. Let me kind of give you the progression. And this is all comes from Acts chapter 2 and what Jesus shares in the Gospels as well. The first step is very simple, salvation. Accept God's power in your life. Receive salvation from Jesus. It's offered to everybody freely, but you have to accept it. You need to believe in it. The second thing then, when you do that, you become a disciple. It's automatic. It's not like, well, Jesus says, now that you're saved from your sins, you have eternity with me. That's awesome. So uh, the next step that would probably be good is that you become a disciple now, that you actually learn some things from me. That's not kind of like, well, it'd be a good idea. No, you have to. It's what you do. You literally have made your life about this. You're going to be a disciple and you're accepting God's mission to serve God, serve others, and point them to Jesus. And then the third one is that you become an apostle. That you don't just learn from Jesus, but that you do something with it. That you take it out, that you are sent out, that you go, and now you are on mission everywhere you go for Christ. And by the way, this is a really important piece, you never graduate from the different levels. I've been walking with Jesus for a long time. And I still very much need every one of those levels. I still need Jesus' salvation. I still have to be a learner. You guys realize, yeah, I mean, you, you have to send under my preaching a lot. You know I don't know everything. <laughs> I am still very much a disciple. I have a long way to go. But I can't wait until I learn everything. This is another danger. Until I become an apostle. 
If you're waiting until you know enough about the Bible or you start reading the Bible or until you know enough about God or you have the right theological term, let me just tell you, you'll never get to be an apostle. Let me tell you that when you accepted Christ, you became one. Because God says, now you're, it's your turn. You're sent out. Let's go. There's people that need Jesus. And God made you, designed you specifically and perfectly to do that. You may not do it in my way. Uh, God may not have called you to be a pastor and to stand in front and talk to everybody. Some of you are like, praise God for that. <laughs> Whoo, dodge that one, right? The, he, he didn't call most of us to do that. In fact, I thought I was going to be a teacher. I didn't think I was going to be doing this. And here I am. But God made us into a unique path. In fact, I want to wrap up with an illustration. I read an article by another pastor named Mark Wilson a few weeks ago. And he shared this, and I want to share it with you. So um, let's just say that I was given this by God. Okay? Sledgehammer. I kind of like the feeling of this, actually, in my hands. All right? What, let's say that God gave me, my uniqueness means when you look at me, that one of the tools that God gave to me can be represented as a sledgehammer, okay? So let's say that I have this sledgehammer. What this sledgehammer tells me, what it should tell you, is the type of job, the type of task that I'm supposed to be working on, okay? What it also tells me, it tells me the job that I'm not supposed to be doing, so let's say, for example, that a need comes up and, and the need is to fix this table, right? And this is the tool that I've been given. How well is this going to work? I have this little finishing nail and I have a sledgehammer, right? How well is that going to go? You know what's going to happen? I'm going to tire myself out trying to pound in a tiny little finishing nail into here, and I'm probably going to break the table. Why? Because the tool doesn't match what God has called me to do. But if somebody comes along and says, I need to put up a big top tent, and I've got to drive 50 to 100 of these into the ground, well, then this looks pretty good. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be driving this in with anything else, right? I want something that's got some weight to it and some power. And so I'll be able to drive this stake into the ground with a sledgehammer like this. It might take me a little while, admittedly, especially after 50 of them. But this is the right tool for the right task. Am I right? This makes sense. And in the same way, let's say that somebody else comes along, right? And this is the tool they've been given with duct tape, no less. <laughs> right? You can see this has been used a few times, right? A little tack hammer, a little finishing hammer. Hey, once again, let's say that this is the tool that I've been given. And then, and then this is the task that needs to be done. Yeah, here you go, Bickle. This is what needs to be done. Let's see me try to drive this into the ground with that. <laughs> That's going to go really well. It's going to take me a long time, and this is going to break. We're going to need more duct tape. But for this, that makes sense, right? A little finishing hammer for a little, little snack table. That makes a whole lot of sense. 
So here's my point. God made you the way he made you for a reason. And the question is, are you doing the right tasks and using what he gave you, the right tools that he gave you to do the things that he's called you, you specifically, to do to serve his mission, the overall mission of Christ? Every one of you have different tools than I do. Some of you, Every one of you are infinitely better at multiple things than I am. We're not the same. And the reason we're not the same is because God called you and created you to serve his great mission that we're all called to serve, but in your own unique way. So here's my question, and the question becomes, what's the next step? Well, if you're here and you're not sure if you have accepted Jesus, if you don't know where you're at with God, then that's your next step. Right? That's your next step. Your next step is to accept Jesus, is, is to uh, uh, find salvation through Jesus. You need to accept and believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, and you need to, you need to accept that he died for your sins and, and commit your life to being a disciple and an apostle. Say, I'm going to serve Jesus the rest of my days. That's what, that's what your next step is. So, in fact, I would encourage you. I'm not going to belabor this at all, but I, I, just, I would just encourage you. Give your life to Jesus today. That's how you unlock the bike. That's how you start. You have to get on the bike first. You have to realize that Jesus is there. He offered salvation. You have to accept it. But then for the rest of us, if you're here and you have already accepted Jesus, you're like, but I'm here and I've already accepted Jesus. Good. Then you are called already. I, I don't have to check and be like, well, what's your name? Okay, how old are you? Where did you go to school? Doesn't matter. <laughs> when you gave your life to Christ, you committed to becoming a disciple and an apostle at the same time. All three of those things are good. Salvation, disciple, apostle, done. When you gave your life to Christ. It's, it's automatic. And so the question becomes, what do you do with it? Well, here's where we go back to how we started. You remember how we started? Everybody get out your phones, get out your little list. Look at them. Just look at it, what you put down. Here's my question, because the question could be, what does God want you to do with that? I ask that question all the time. You guys know that. I'm not going to ask that question. That one's too easy, but too general. All right? The question I want to ask is, based on what you put on that list, or maybe something else that God brought to your mind that you didn't write down just a few minutes ago, my question is, what's the next step that you need to take to figure out how God wants to use something on that list, something that you're good at, to connect people to a saving knowledge and understanding and love and grace of Jesus? Because how I do it, which is probably talking people to death, right? <laughs> is not the way that Jesus called you to do it. Right? Some of you, he's called you to work on cars with people, and while you're doing that, you're having real conversations about who God is, and at some point you get to the point where you're comfortable maybe inviting them to church, or even to the point where you're willing to lead them in a prayer to accept Jesus. Can you do that while you're working on a car? Absolutely, yes. Right? 
Some of you are called to, to use your skills maybe in woodworking to, to bless other people. Some of you are used, some of you, we, we started a knitting group here, right? Where we, where we put blankets together. Amazing, like, and this has been a blessing. I can tell you that I've had many, many, many people come to me and say, hey, I got one of the blankets. It's been such a blessing in my life. And I realize uh, God is speaking to them through a blanket. I'm literally not saying the blanket's talking, right? But I mean, the blanket, it just... Let's open ourselves to what God wants to do with what he's given you that you're good at. And just the main thing that we can't do is we can't sit on it. So my question is, what's the step that you need to take to help you figure out what on your list, what tool you've been given and how it's supposed to be used by God? Maybe you need to talk to somebody. And I know why you haven't talked to somebody is because when you talk to somebody, it becomes more real and then they can hold you accountable to it. We don't like to be held accountable to things. If I say it out loud, then somebody's going to expect me to do it. It's kind of like Amy, right? When, she, when I called her and said, hey, will you share your story? She's like, she called back. She said, I thought of every possible excuse of how I could say no to saying my story. But I knew I needed to. I knew I had to. And she knew, because, and she can, she can tell you this is true. She knows that, here very shortly, we haven't set up the time yet, but we're going to get together and we're going to talk about what does it look like to share your story more boldly and more impactfully and wider than just Northridge so that you can impact others for Christ. We're having that conversation. It's coming up soon. And she knew that because she shared it, oh, I opened myself up to this. She knows, but she's open to it. She's good. What do you need to open yourself up to? What conversation do you need to have? Who do you need to talk to? In fact, my guess is, for a handful, maybe a lot of us in here, you already know what God wants you to do with it. You already know the next step you need to take. You just haven't taken it because you're like Laura and our, when she's talking about our kids, you've been on the edge of the pool and you're like, God, I know you're telling me to do this. I know you're telling me to jump in right there in this way and do this thing, but I don't want to. You've been scared. Let me encourage you. I've been scared a lot from what God has called me to do. I come across very bold and audacious up here. And the truth is that I have to struggle with God's call in my life just like everybody else. That's the truth. And yet my goal is when I come on the other side of that struggle, I hope that I have surrendered, re-surrendered, everything back to God and said, I'm going to do what you want me to do, even and especially when it scares me. So what are you going to do about it? Do you have a sledgehammer <laughs> or a tack hammer or something in between? Whatever you have, whatever your personality, whatever your gifts, God gave them to you so that you can point people to Jesus in your unique, powerful way. And you're going to reach far more people than I ever will by preaching. I promise you that. Because that's how God works. Let me pray for you.